Welcome to The Blind Spot, a podcast where we explore human instinctual drives through the lens of the Enneagram, nonviolent communication, and resonant healing with personal stories from individuals living real human lives. My name is Karen Nance, self-pres, social, sexual blind, three-wing two, with 371 trifix, and ENTP cognitive preferences. I hope you enjoy these stories. Hello, friends, and welcome back to The Blind Spot. We are lucky enough to have a third week with Stephanie J, who is our sexual enlightenment guide that has been learning about Enneagram typology. If you've heard our last couple of episodes, you'll have heard Stephanie talk to us a little bit about astrology and human design, and we've been unpacking Stephanie's personality type as a three-wing two with sexual, social, self-pres preferences as well as her ENFP Myers-Briggs type. So today we are going to dive into a passion that is near and dear to Stephanie's heart. And this is how to sexually empower individuals. So Stephanie has an amazing offering that is starting September 3rd. It will be eight weeks long. The enrollment period begins August 8th and will be open until the 22nd. So if you're hearing this episode, we will have the link to her website in the show notes. So please um, check that out. And why don't we start, Stephanie, with just letting you tell us a little bit about what drew you into sexual empowerment work. And we remember from the prior episodes that you started selling sex toys at 19 out of the back you know, seat of your car and made an incredibly successful business out of that. So why don't you pick up at that part of the story and share whatever feels comfortable about your own sexual enlightenment journey and when you started offering support to others. Oh, that's like, I forgot that we talked about that. So I'm so glad that you brought that back in. But it's funny how um, we find, I find that the things that we're meant to do in this universe, we can't miss them. You know, they they come back for us. The things that are our sole purpose are just the things that they're always in our space. And for me, working in the sexology space was just something that obviously, I mean, I started a business at 19 that ended up being wildly successful in that space. And then, you know, I kind of fell away from it for a little bit, to be honest. And what happened with me there was I was doing full-time university, getting my bachelor's in psychology. I was working a regular corporate job at the time because I didn't have the luxury of like living at home and being cared for by my parents. So I had to pay for all my own bills. So I was working a regular corporate job. And I was doing the sex toys at the time. And it came to the point where like the the three was just too much. It was too much. And so I went to my most trusted advisors at this time in my life, which were my parents. And I asked them, well, mom and dad, like, what do I do? And they gave them the same advice that any logical parent would give me, which was quit the sex toys, get a real job and like focus on your career. And, you know, now I know better than to listen to people that are not living the type of life that I want to live, which is one of my core um, values in coaching and in the business that I run is like, make sure that you're only taking advice from people that are embodying and living the type of lifestyle that aligns for you. That's really important for me to be in integrity. But for the purposes of this story, I listened, I moved away from sexuality work for several years but it was just always in my space. And it was always kind of coming back to me. 
And when I went through my dark night of the soul, my like really rock bottom moment in the 3D realm, I left my fiance. I almost lost my career, this like multi six figure corporate career that I'd worked my ass off to get at age 29. Everything kind of fell away from me. And I said, okay, you know what, universe, I was not spiritual at this time, but I just like universe, God, whatever's out there, you, there has to be something more than this game that I've been playing. Because I won this game at 29. I maxed out my career. I had the perfect fiance. I had the perfect dream house. I had everything. And you know what? It sucked. This wasn't actually the life I wanted to live. It was not fun. It wasn't what I was promised. So I've already won that game. I don't want that anymore. So you've got to tell me, you've got to show me. There must be something else. Because if this is it, this is rigged. And I don't want any part of it. It was like my like come to Jesus moment, you can say with the universe. And then all of a sudden, people that did Tantra started showing up in my space, just like magic, you know, they would like pop up on my Instagram feed, or I would get invited to a Tantra, Tantric Puja, or like Tantra just started showing up in my space over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to pause you for one moment, because maybe not everybody knows what you mean by Tantra. Like when you said Tantra Puja, Mm. I'm like, what is that? So why don't you just assume that listeners don't have any experience with Tantra and tell us about your experience with Tantra and what you learned from it. And now I want, I need to know what Tantra Puja is. So Puja is just a fancy word for ceremony. It it, like it's, it's a tantric ceremony. Um, Sorry. I apologize for, yeah, not clarifying that Puja is just a word for ceremony. Tantra, depending on who you ask means like a ton of different things. Like Neo Tantra is not the same thing as authentic Tantra. Some people will tell you that the word Tantra means to weave. It's talking about weaving energies. My experience having now worked with Neo Tantra, Shamanic Tantra, so like just a bunch of different varieties of Tantra, my understanding and my embodiment of it is that it is the fusing of masculine and feminine energies within the individual soul and the harnessing of our sexual energy as the most powerful energy that we as humans have access to on this planet and using that depending on the type of tantra you're talking about either using that for pleasure or which would be considered a uh, red hat tantra or white hat tantra which would be using it for sexual enlightenment and i believe that we get to have both we don't have to choose you know just using it for like pleasure pursuits or just using it for enlightenment but in fact it really should be both So this has become, for me, the most powerful personal development tool that I've ever seen on the planet. Because when you work with this energy, like you you can't help but transform. It is so powerful. It really just shakes everything out. All of the residual trauma, all of the residual fears, all of the residual beliefs, that shadow, everything shakes out because it's such a high vibrational energy when you're harnessing it properly that there's no room for anything else. And it really just alchemizes and just, it's a rocket ship of personal transformation, which is what I then went through when it started coming into my space and I started playing with it. I started realizing like, wow, this is, this is powerful stuff. Like, yes, it feels good. I love that it feels good. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, it feels good and it's transformative. And like, that is a combination that you don't often see in this world, especially in the spiritual space and the professional development space. It's kind of one or the other, right? Like you either sit down and you do the hard work or you go and have fun. And so this- what transformed for you? Like give us some examples 
What was the before learning these practices and the after learning these practices? Um, give us a little bit of color around your own personal transformation, because this was five years ago you discovered this, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So five years ago, I mean, I was making multi six figures in corporate. I had maxed out my career in executive management in the technology space as a woman who was under 30 in a small town. I was living completely from my ego. I was Honestly, I had a lot of awards. I had a lot of accolades. Like I said, I had this beautiful condo. So on the outside, everything was amazing. I was living like celebrity lifestyle for my small little town and really an example of success for everybody around me. But I was dying inside. I was so unhappy inside. I was so unfulfilled. I was just waking up and going through the motions. I was stressed all the time. I was always overwhelmed. My body at 29 was starting to show signs of like incredible fatigue. And it wasn't, I was clear I was not healthy. And it's because my soul wasn't fulfilled. And then when I shifted and I started now again, finding these practices and applying them, if we were to fast forward to five years later, I now have a thriving business that in its first year met it equaled my corporate career salary. In my second year, it doubled my corporate career salary. And in my third year, it doubled again. So I've had a very successful run from a financial perspective. And I've done that while I travel the world, building my business, living on beaches and in jungles in Mexico, Tulum, Costa Rica, Bali, India. I'm in Thailand right now, and I'm about to move to Austin, Texas. So I've really had a lot of time freedom, incredible financial freedom and the ability to just follow wherever my pleasure takes me, which is really what I want for others is the opportunity to learn and develop that trust with their pleasure so that they understand that a following your pleasure means you get to lead your dream dream life and no, your life's not going to end. It's actually going to get so much better. And when you start working with that sexual energy, everything happens faster because Let's say, for example, launching my business, the reason it grew so quickly was because I was able to get out of my own way. Because working with the sexual energy, all of the ego fears, all of the stories around, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, the imposter syndrome, all of that got burned away by activating my sexual energy. All of that fell away from me the more I stepped into my truth and stepped into playing with this energy more. And I mean, the sky's the limit. Like you can touch the face of God with your orgasm if you want to go that deep. Like there is no limitations. Anyone that wants to, for example, just find their orgasm versus have transcendental bliss oriented, like 30 minute orgasms, like all of this is possible. And while you're doing that, it's shaking away anything that is in the way of you calling in more money, calling in your dream partner, healing relationship wounding, healing trauma, healing parental wounding, all of these things. I have had to journey. I've had to heal incredible sexual trauma. I've had to heal parental wounding. I've had to release a lot of money shadows. I've had to release a lot of worthiness shadows. And all of that really just melted off of me. And even my boundaries and how I was relating in relationship, which is the more recent evolution, all of that also melted away as a result of me working and coming back into my sexual energy practice and allowing that to transform me and bring me back into my best self. Hmm. That's really beautiful. I love hearing that story. And it's like, so exciting. And I loved what you said. It's from just finding your orgasm, because as a medical doctor who does a lot with sexual health with women, I know that many women are not sexually active at all. And they really haven't really found a way to access pleasure. And how about with men? Like many men also struggle with their 
sexuality. They may have premature ejaculation. They may have erectile dysfunction. You know, there's so many things that men also experience. Do you work with men or how has that emerged in your experience? Yes, absolutely. I work with men because at the end of the day, it's energetics. So it's the same thing on both sides. If we're having, for example, on the woman's side, pain during intercourse, inability to orgasm, low libido. On the men's side, we can see a polarization into premature ejaculation or loss of erection, but we can also see hyperactive sex drive and a lot of shame around a hyperactive sex drive, right? So it's we see both. At the end of the day, all of it is trauma, mindset, conditioning, and energy in all cases. And it doesn't matter which physical body you come in, the root cause is always those four things. And so I'm very, very adept at working with those energies in men and women. I work a lot with male one-on-one clients. And it's important to me to note too, that even with courses, for example, like the Sexual Empowerment Academy, I do not gender block my courses. And I believe that because a lot of our healing happens when we're in relation with another, it's actually very important to be in a space where women are journeying their sexual evolution alongside men. Now, I will say my courses tend to pull in more women than men because women are a lot more willing to work on this space than men are. But at the end of the day, it's open for everybody. And because it's open for everyone and this container is accessible for everyone, we're able to heal on a much deeper level because, yeah, there sometimes is a trigger. You know, we see a man showing up in his sexual energy in the container, and that can be hard for a woman to receive sometimes. And then we get to journey that. We get to heal that. And that's where a lot of the like community-based healing comes in, which is why I love group containers when we're dealing with and on group online containers. So everybody's safe. Everyone's in their own physical space. There's no chance of anything happening, but it gives you the opportunity to be in your safety and still journeying. Okay. Well, what is it that this person did that, that triggered me? And then how can I use my sexual energy to transmute that? That's so beautiful. I love that. Thank you. I'm reading a book right now called pleasure activism. Are you familiar with this book? You know, it's been recommended to me, I think like four or five times, but I have not read it yet. Well, I'm going to just put out that I want to do a book group with anybody who wants to read this book together. Maybe Stephanie and I can read it together. And if there's any other listeners out there that are interested, uh, yeah, contact me at KarenAnsMD.com. I just think that this book is amazing. And it really is a lot of what you're talking about, Stephanie, where people are just following their pleasure. And when we get to a better place, we start showing up in the world that is a lot more positive, that has a much higher vibrational energy. I mean, I personally have the theory that if everybody was sexually satisfied, we would not have war because, you know, yeah. how can you get into this phase of like fighting when you're like just had all these blissful orgasms and all these attachment hormones going through you and you feel so connected to yourself and your partner and the world and God. And yeah, there's definitely something about coming into good relationship with this energy that is transformative. I I deeply resonate with that. Yeah. And I think we all as society, we know the healing power of sexual energy just innately because we have memes like, for example, oh, you're bitchy today, go have an orgasm or like, why don't you go get laid? Right? Like we Mm -hmm. see that all the time. That's a meme that we see in romantic comedy movies all the time. Why do we think that's a meme? Because it's true. Right. When you're flooded with oxytocin, when you're flooded with attachment chemicals, when you're just in this great blissful state, your body's relaxed, you're not stressed. Right. I mean, 
for anyone that's resonating with, I am in a stress state or I'm stressed with life and I'm overwhelmed with life. Like pleasure is your antidote. Pleasure literally cannot exist in the body at the same time as cortisol, which means if you're consciously choosing pleasure, you're consciously pushing cortisol out of your nervous system and out of your system as a whole. And you're coming into a space where you're saying to your brain, actually, pleasure is more important to me than stress, which then trains your body to be more willing to produce more pleasure. And we get into this beautiful place of neuroplasticity where eventually everything gets to be pleasurable. Mm. And I just want to touch in and just name that obviously this is why the sexual instinct is so important and which is why we want to really clean up any blockages, any neuroses, anything that's going on in that instinct. But let's also name that we can also connect with this instinct without physically touching our bodies or activating orgasm at all, that this instinctual energy is available to us through anything that's giving us pleasure. And so slowing down and taking a beautiful walk on these summer days, if you're in North America, you know, enjoying nature, enjoying music, enjoying art, like what is it that activates your pleasure? And this is your sexual instinct also coming online. So if you are also vibing with, hey, I like what Stephanie and Kara are talking about. You know, this is just yet another access point to the sexual instinctual energy, but really that physical sexual connection is one entry point to this energy that really does transform, transmute, just takes us as an accelerant on our growth journey, whatever that looks like. Yeah, exactly. And that's a really good point. And that's why at the very beginning of the Sexual Empowerment Academy, like we don't dive straight into orgasm. That's at the end, right? Like we have to create safety and pleasure in the nervous system as a whole first. So the first roughly half of the container is learning how to access that pleasure point. Because a lot of us, we have so many stories around and societal conditioning around what it means to be in our pleasure, right? And we think that it's only with sex or it's only with a partner or it's only in the bedroom. And we discount the things that you just mentioned, like, you know, watching a funny movie, seeing a beautiful art piece, feeling the sun on your skin on a warm summer day. These are all access points to pleasure. And the more we can build those, the more we open our capacity for pleasure so that eventually the graduates that have gone through previous rounds of the Sexual Empowerment Academy, this is not the first time I've run this container, the previous graduates from previous rounds, they've gotten to a place where they're like, I didn't know that I could literally feel pleasure doing the dishes. I didn't know that I could feel pleasure walking the dog. I didn't know that I could feel pleasure in literally every single moment of my day. So that's really step one is opening to the fact that everything is like pleasure is a choice. We open to that as a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, second-to-second choice, which is also how we regulate the nervous system out of stress and out of cortisol. Because like I said, you're consistently coming back to, I can choose pleasure right now. I can choose pleasure right now, right? As opposed to I'm choosing stress, anxiety, overwhelm, et cetera. And the next step of that is, okay, now that I can choose pleasure, why don't I just turn the dial up a little bit? And why don't I choose a little bit of eroticism? And what does it feel like to have that as a choice now? To bring the intentional erotic energy into everything that I'm doing, to choose to, oh, can I be turned on? Like not just in my pleasure, but can I be turned on while I'm doing the dishes? 
And what does that mean? Because I'm just having a funny image of everybody like in front of their sink, like scrubbing the dishes and just orgasming (laughs) while we do them. Like, yeah, that would be awesome. I definitely want some of that. Yeah, exactly. Like who doesn't, right? Who doesn't want the ability to access that? But we have this idea that it's unsafe to be at that level of pleasure throughout the day. And again, it's because we've been conditioned that like you're only allowed to be turned on and horny in like these specific situations. And some of us even have this feeling, um, and this might resonate with some of your listeners, that it's almost uncomfortable to be horny or to be turned on and not be able to do something about it, right? Which is so interesting because if you think of it, being turned on is just a pleasure. That's a pleasure feeling. So what do you mean it's uncomfortable to extend that throughout the entire day? And that's just a mindset piece that's saying, I actually don't feel comfortable or safe in my pleasure. I don't trust my sexual energy. I don't trust who I'm going to be or what I'm going to do, or I feel shameful and I have to put it away. But at the end of the day, that's the goal is A, we're expanding your capacity for regular pleasure. And then B is expanding the safety zone for, oh, I can actually access this energy at any time and I can consciously call it in. And then, yeah, everything in my life gets to be not just pleasurable, but orgasmic. And when that energy is vibrating through your cells 24 seven, like that's when your life becomes a rocket ship. That's when your creativity is on overdrive. And I know you had mentioned before the call that you feel you don't, you identify as someone that's not creative. That's just a shutdown sacral center. That's all that is. The more you open that up, the more creative you will become because that's the seat of your creativity is your sexual center. The more magnetic you become. I actually feel incredibly creative with words. So my creativity manifests with speaking and writing. But Mm -hmm. yes, I, I feel like I'm a little bit like pulling together graphic designs and pictures and like designing a room. So yeah, that would be my edge where I would just say, These are the zones where I identify as being creative. And these are the zones in which I don't identify as being creative. And knowing that all of this work is just noticing who is it that I'm taking myself to be and recognizing Mm. that this is just somewhere that I haven't gone into. And I mean, I know that it's because I've never gotten any feedback that these kinds of things that I create are beautiful. You know, like I Mm. haven't actually had the courage because I know that there are other people that have developed those gifts. So for me, there's this wondering around, you know, there's the whole mentality of strengths finders. So when I know that I'm very creative with words and writing and speaking and teaching and coaching and working with people and helping them finding creative solutions within their lives, um, it's, it's just like, yeah, how can I just start like, expanding that and noticing where I might be shutting myself down. And then that also rolls into the whole sexual instinct thing. I have always identified as being able to identify my pleasure, like finding orgasm hasn't been difficult, but actually connecting with my own sexuality. You know, I went and took boudoir pictures earlier this year and that really felt uncomfortable, like to dress myself up like a pinup girl. I'll just like name it like that. And then to be like posing in all of these ways and having people take pictures of me. But it was so fun. And like, I love the photographs. And I know you do a lot of exploration with photography and embracing your sexuality. Speak a little bit about that, this whole boudoir photography thing and allowing yourself to be photographed. And and also... 
I'm just also imagining that if I start to like really express my sexuality while I'm doing the dishes, that like my three teenage boys and my mom and my dad, who are often in my house, are going to definitely, I can note that I'm already modulating their comfort level around my sexuality because I already know that whenever I talk about this kind of stuff, even in an open way, there's a lot of, we don't want to talk about that. Like, we don't want that in this space with you. I can see why my whole family is sexual blind because my parents aren't comfortable you know, really leaning into that sexual instinctual energy in any way I've ever seen, you know, and hence that has been something that I've been trained is happens only with your partner in the bedroom. And I can already see that my kids also have that very classic self-pressed social sexual blind way of being in the world, which I think so many of us have. So how do we come into connection with this energy when we know we live in a world where we have friends, neighbors, parents, kids that are all sexual blind and sort of honor it and invite it to grow without like freaking or weirding everybody out? What do you tell people about that? It's an amazing question. And what I would like to hear from you is if we just think into, okay, so Kara's in her kitchen, Kara's feeling her eroticism and she's doing the dishes. What do you think that's going to look like? Like what's my the story playing moves. in your head? Like when I get into my sexual instinctual energy, my body moves in a way that is sexual. And okay. I notice that that makes other people sometimes uncomfortable. Okay. So you're worried that you'll be basically gyrating in front of your parents while doing the dishes. This is So for concern. example, I go to a hospital Christmas party every year with a whole bunch of 50 to 75 year old physicians and it's my professional hospital network and there's a live band. And when the music starts playing and I go out onto that dance floor, music absolutely wakes up my sexual instinctual energy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I notice that every other professional doctor couple is doing like some little teeny tiny, rigid, not very embodied movement. And there's like me and like two other friends who are usually just kind of leaning into it, but there's a lot of discomfort there. And I have a reputation in the community, both because I work for myself. I don't follow a lot of the rules that I've been referred to as a loose cannon, just because Mm. I respond to things. And so there is this feeling that it's not really accepted. I mean, I have feedback that it does create reactions in people around me. Yeah. So one of the things that we have to work with so much of working with sexual energy is around claiming our authenticity because your, your sexual energy is not going to allow you the more that we come into this, it's going to activate your voice. It's going to activate your truth. It is going to activate your soul's mission, your purpose, like all of the things that you as a human Kara came here to be on this planet, your sexual energy is going to light a fire to all of that. So if you were wanting to stay in the little box where you hang out with your square (laughs) uh, doctor friends on a regular basis, then you probably don't want to work with your sexual energy because it will make that very uncomfortable. You will become different because society does not right now have a healthy relationship around sexual energy. It will make you who you were meant to be, who you came here to be, 
That's not going to be who the 65-year-old doctor couple is okay with. The beautiful thing is, and I'll give you another example here too, like I literally could not go back to corporate now. What things I've seen, the life I've lived, it would be so incredibly painful for me to try to go back to a normal life and a normal job. Like, I don't know why I would ever decide to do that, but like, I, it's literally not available to me because I know myself so truly. I've felt my truth. I've felt my purpose. I've felt my passion through this work that going back is like the idea of it's laughable. Like my life is so different. It's not even relatable. It's like, it's two completely different humans. And I do have some experience with that. I've been working for myself, running my own private medical practice in this same community where um, I, it's not particularly sexual. Let's just put that out there, but having autonomy and choice and getting to practice in these ways that involve typology, involve meditation involve resonant healing and soon to be psychedelics, that has been amazing. And I saw this meme that said, you know, there's no way I could ever go back to working, to having a boss or being employed or working in corporate because I've worked for myself so long that I'm now about 97% feral. And there's <laughs> something about the sexual instinctual energy that it feels like it makes you feral because there's almost like this yeah, I just can't be contained anymore. And it's interesting because when I think of that word feral, there's a negative connotation to it. So there's even this, there's this shaming almost around stepping into our power that I think we just need to name. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Women are really shamed for being in their power, right? Women and men, honestly, listen, society doesn't like people that buck society. They don't like it when you rock the boat. And quite frankly, society wouldn't function if everybody rocked the boat, right? Then, you know, we're ending up in like total chaos. The rules exist for a reason, but they are not for everyone, yeah. right? They're for the majority, but they're not for everyone. Well, and I think what would be beautiful is if we could get to a place where you get to check in and say, hey, do I want to show up with this type of sexual energy? Does that feel like it's authentically me? Or am I more comfortable maybe being asexual and not having sex with another person at all? And I don't have any need to self-pleasure because I contact my sexual energy through poetry and nature and music, and that is perfectly satisfying to me. So I think that what I deeply long for is that however people want to express their sexual energy, as long as it's not harming another human, should be okay. And I just think we live in a world where there is a way you show up and a way you don't show up. So I have just decided that I'm going to post a boudoir shot and we're going to take one of your sexy shots. And that's how we're promoting yeah. this episode. That's how we're going to, you're going to help me to be a little more brave and just say, yeah. This is what it looks like for a sexual blind, somebody who only hangs out in like the Northwest Chicago suburbs at like stodgy hospital Christmas parties. Like, hey, we're going to put it out there. We're going to like blow everybody's mind and be like, yeah, she is that loose cannon. She's now posting lingerie shots. My mom will have a heart attack, but you yeah. know, this is, I, I keep on too. telling her, yeah, this is good for your growth mom. Yeah. How did you work yeah. with your mom around it? My mother and I have had a unique dance around this energy because when I was selling sex toys at 19 and I was living at home, she was my biggest cheerleader. She was so proud of me. She was planning parties for me. She was one of my biggest customers. 
And so when I then made the switch into sex coaching and started talking about sex online, started being honest about sex online and posting boudoir style photos, which by the way, I think are an amazing opportunity for inner growth and development and super empowering. All of a sudden she was super not okay with it. Like the reaction I got from my mom is I might as well have been doing porn. Like that, that was her reaction. And so we had to have a lot of sit down conversations around how she was relating and the stories that she was making this mean, because I said, mom, I'm I'm not a prostitute. I'm not making porn. I am teaching people the same thing I was teaching them at 19, but it's better because I'm more informed now, but it's the same stuff that you were supporting 10 years ago. Why was it okay back then? And it's not okay now. And she, you know, we had to journey that together and it was really a, a beautiful opportunity for us to deepen our relationship together. It doesn't mean that she loves it. I I mean, my mom's in her seventies. She's never going to love it, right? She's just at a different space, but she's, it's provided us the opportunity to really come together and have conversations around what she was making it mean, what it actually was, why it's important to me, why I'm so excited about it. And really the ripple effect that I hope that this has on the world, because we do live in a world that's very tight and very square and where authenticity is not celebrated. And like, I want to be very clear that working with this energy isn't going to make everyone like this crazy sex person. It's going to make you authentically you, whatever that is. For me, that's a digital nomad that's posting boudoir pictures online all the time and talking very openly about sex. For you, that might be, you know, smaller hip gyrations at the at, at the dish <laughs> when you're doing dishes, right? Well, so like then, it's different for everyone. Yeah. And what's coming up for me is that one of the things that a value that's important to me is that I really value consideration and care. So if I know that my sexuality is creating discomfort and really activating the nervous system of people in my environment, I tone myself down because I love those people and I don't want to push them beyond their capacity. Now, at the same time, I do want to authentically express, I do want to have places that are safe. So like, I'm just, the metaphor that's coming up is that, 30 or 40 years ago, you could smoke in restaurants and, you know, airplanes and other people had to be around your secondhand smoke. Now, if you're a person that likes to smoke, you know, you would enjoy smoking wherever you want, but it was impacting others. So we had a smoking section and like a non-smoking section. I just have this thing, like, how do we work with sexual energy? Like I'm thinking of the Christmas party. Do we put up like dividers. And if it makes you uncomfortable to watch people grinding on each other, you dance on this side of the wall. And if you want to be a grinder, you go to the other side of the wall. And, you know, I'm just like imagining what are these ways in the world where we balance that need for authenticity with the need for consideration and care for people that are at a different place on their growth around this? Because if we're being really sexual, like, like PDA is coming up. Like some people don't think that you should make out in public. Some people make out in public. So what would you say about that? Like, what's your opinion around, let's just do PDA, making out in public. What would you say? Yeah, I think 
and I, I love the metaphor and I want to challenge a little bit the metaphor of like smoking, which by the way, I'm so grateful. I grew up in a space where smoking was already <laughs> pretty much not allowed in public space or on airplanes by the time I was flying, because that idea just blows my mind. But the inherent thing with smoking is like, it's not just about liking, it's actually bad for you, right? Like cigarette smoking is actually causing cancer in the people that are inhaling that smoke. So you're like very meaningfully making everyone around you's life worse by making that choice. But that's not the same with your authenticity. And let's not even talk about sexual energy. Let's just talk about you being authentic. You being in your authentic truth is not giving other people cancer. You being in your authentic truth is not killing other people. It might be making them, right? It might be making them a little bit uncomfortable, but that's because of their own stories, right? Some people get very uncomfortable, like angry. They might leave. They get very triggered. I mean, we even talked last episode about triggering and trigger warnings and all of these kinds of things. So yeah, I'm just so curious, like, how do we live in this world where some people are getting triggered by sexual energy? And uh, I'm just so curious. Yeah. I'm going to go out and say it. This is probably going to be an unpopular opinion. The truth is other people's triggers are not your fucking problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's at the end of the day, that's it. That is their work. And when we go and we remove triggers from other people, all we're doing is enabling their shadow to continue to control them. A trigger, if anything, is a gift for the other person to have an enlightenment moment. What is enlightenment? Literally bringing light into the shadows, right? So anytime we're triggered, we get angry, we choose to leave, that's our choice. We are choosing at that moment to engage with our trigger in a way that is controlling us instead of to engage with it consciously. And the trick, the thing that triggered me at the end of the day is irrelevant. It could have been a kid with a lollipop, or it could have been a woman in her sexual energy, or it could have been a person with a megaphone or a fire alarm or anything, right? I mean, we can get triggered by anything. But the actual trigger itself is irrelevant to the person who's experiencing the trigger. What actually matters more is what's the story that I'm telling? What am I making this mean? And how is it getting to control me? So if anything, if we're ever going to worry about triggering another person, and I'm not, let me be clear here. I am not saying go out and be an asshole and stop worrying about other people. That's not what's being said here. What I am saying is when you are in your truth and in your authenticity, right? You are the best version of you. When you are a small version of you that is hiding because you're worried about how somebody else might receive your energy, you're a small, literally a smaller version of you. And the world misses out on your magic because you are choosing not to show up because you're afraid of what somebody else might make it mean. And that is, that's a travesty for humanity that we have made that the goal is to silence and minimize ourselves because somebody else might not like it. Them not liking it is your gift to them. That's why we're different. We're not all meant to be the same. We're not all meant to express the same. And the more we can step into our individuality and our authenticity, the more we as a planet can actually heal. Yeah, I love what you're saying. It's so beautiful. And I really feel grateful that I've had 
three different interviews to get to know you and that we've been working on typology and all of this. And I'm just going to throw something out into the space for listeners because this is what's popping up in my mind. So I am a point three. I am a solid point three. What that means is that I am an image-centered type and I'm an attachment type. So this conversation is terrifying for me. And (laughs) I am actually thinking that Stephanie, we started off saying, are you a three or are you a seven? Now, she has been very successful and achievement-oriented like a three, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, I think she might be a seven just because it would be more normal. And for those of you that enjoy the trifix model, I'm wondering now if Stephanie's core seven with a three fix, because that person, whereas I think I'm a core three with a seven fix. And what I'm really interested about is that both in looking at cognitive preferences, so with her as an ENFP, we talked about her extroverted feeling really being, I mean, sorry, extroverted thinking really being this thing that enables her to just launch all this stuff, be so incredibly effective, set benchmarks, achieve goals. That's like a superpower. And so that could be a seven that looks like a three or has a three fix. And the fact that she goes to so many different places that she lives, that she's jumped from here to there to wherever, also lots of seven energy. But she has that beautiful line to one where she also has this discipline and this line to five where she's also deeply studied. So I just am talking about this to the audience because I know that you're listening to my podcast because you're interested in typology. And as things emerge, I just always invite all of us to look again. And what I'm also modeling is humility. You know, I can feel really confident about something and even post an episode where I'm like, Stephanie's a sexual three. And like now, like I just want to tell listeners that I'm even having the idea that Stephanie could actually be self-pressed social sexual seven, which could look really different because as a seven, you know, you're going to have a more flamboyant appearance. You're just going to wear like Stephanie today has this awesome purple ponytail on top of her head and like the coolest like shirt, like those of us that know sevens, they, you know, you can, you can pick them out. They are fun. It just looks like I'm going to have a party here on a Monday at lunchtime with Stephanie, just like with the way that she appears. So that could be seven. It could be sexual. And as we were listening to her bio, I'm just going to name for anybody who's into typology that it actually sounds very self-pressed social. And that is the seven who is a networker. That is the seven who can drive businesses, is very work-focused. So I'm just throwing it out here both for Stephanie to hear what's going through my mind so that she's on her growth journey. She gets to check in with the passion of seven, which is gluttony and the move is towards sobriety. And the passion of three is deceit moving towards authenticity. And just remembering that we all have these inside of us, but that some of them are easier to work with than others. So as I'm listening to this whole, like, be your authentic self, I'm like, oh man, I've been really trying. And there's just this like existential fear out of like severing attachments out of, you know, what are people going to think when they're looking at me? Whereas if you're a seven, you're what we call a hexad type. And the hexad types which are the ones not three, six, and nine, 
these people are able to so much more solidly stand in their self and who and what they are and are not so worried about what other people are thinking. So it doesn't mean that we can't all change, evolve with the attachment types. We need to work with those issues around attachment. Hexad types have totally different issues that they're going to work on, but we're all here to show each other something. So I'm just naming that I feel deeply inspired, very anxious, and kind of wanting to like dip into some courage here around saying, yeah, Stephanie's just empowering me to step into this space. And I know that my attachment style is also important because I view myself as somebody who can hopefully bridge the sexual blinds into this space of more embodying the sexual instinct. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of us can dive in head first and like have transcendental orgasms. And some of us can just practice like swaying our hips while we do dishes. And so like wherever you are on this continuum, I just think it's awesome to find the people that are just encouraging you to be a little bit braver around that authenticity than you are right now. So now that I just threw all that in, Stephanie, what came up for you as you heard me talk? Definitely the piece around deceit to authenticity and gluttony to sobriety. Both of those pieces really, really landed for me as both very, very big pieces of my reality. And, you know, I went through, like I said, I stopped this, the sex toys business at 21 and then went through this hyper-masculine uh, success arc in corporate, which was totally a deceit of myself but achievement focused for everybody else, right? It was and what gluttonous in a way because it was about money and succeed and status. So gluttony isn't yep. just food. So I'm just throwing that for listeners who may not be drawing the, we can, it's both. It's like both are at play here. So this is why teasing it out can be difficult. So go on, Stephanie, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, so that, that piece really landed for me as a reality that I had to shift from, which was like deceit of myself into authenticity of myself And, you know, I deal with the word gluttony a lot. Gluttony and hedonism, they come up a lot in the pleasure space because we have this idea that like, you know, sex is gluttony, right? It's food, it's money, it's too much. It's greed, right? It's just too much of the 3D realm in general. And what I think is really interesting here, and this is something I talk about on my social media all the time is that it's so important for us to reframe that because it has created a fear around what it actually means to be in our pleasure, right? Like we have this story kind of like you did with the dishes that, oh, if I let my sexual energy out, all of a sudden I'm going to be like humping a glass and my parents are going to be really uncomfortable. (laughs) Like this is the story we're telling ourselves, which is why I asked you, what do you think you're going to do? Because the truth is, like the sobriety piece, which I love that word and I've not used that word specifically, but the sobriety piece of our pleasure is when you're actually in it all the time, it doesn't exude that way. It doesn't exude as hypersexual because it's not a rarity. It shows up like that as like twerking and like this, like these really huge movements because it's fucking caged all the time. And so then it looks like gluttony and it looks like overdoing it and it looks like hedonism because we only let it out every now and then. And because we only let it out every now and then, it's like a binge, right? It's like, oh my God, I'm free. Let me go do everything. And then we're like, oh shit, that was bad. And let me like, let's lock that back up for another six months. And then you let it out again. So you end up in this like binging cycle with your sexual energy 
And yeah, that makes it unsafe. Yeah. And what you're also highlighting for the Enneagram community is this is what we call about trapdoor ones. So ones are called perfectionists. They really hold themselves pretty rigid and tightly, and they tend to be very proper and very rule-oriented. But those of us in the Enneagram community all know that ones have this line to seven. So once they go on vacation, once they let their hair down, it can feel gluttonous because the point one energy doesn't allow themselves enough of the point seven gluttony. And sometimes point sevens need to take a note from the ones and pull in a little bit more of the sobriety. And the one other comment I'll make for listeners who are less familiar with these virtues is what we call them in the Enneagram community, that um, the passion of gluttony switches over to sobriety, that gluttony can actually show up in buying too many books, in taking Mm -hmm. too many online courses, in listening Mm -hmm. to too many podcasts, in not allowing yourself to drop into being present. So after you're done listening to all of Stephanie and my podcasts and taking all of our (laughs) workshops, then become sober and (laughs) just drop into like not needing anything. Like I don't need to stimulate my body. I don't need to stimulate my mind. I don't need to generate emotion. We can even have emotional gluttony. So like gluttony just can be expanded out and we all have an element of this. And so some of us just need to do an inventory. And why is, why am I gluttonous? Is it because I have this restrictive stance that Stephanie's talking about? Or is it because I do need to invite in a little bit of one energy and, you know, just have some boundaries that are healthy for me that will help me to be more disciplined in whatever it is that I want to do. So I'm just kind of riffing on that, but I love what you're saying. And I totally agree with you that if we can just have more freedom to do what we want, feel what we want, express how we want, I think we're going to have people that have a lot less intensity and repression going on. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, and I've spent much of the last three and a half, four years now living in communities that have been very open and very free. And it's funny because on the outside, we have this story of like, oh, well, this is a polyamorous community or this is a a spiritual community and they must all be running around naked all the time. And like, okay, sometimes we do run around naked. Like that's a thing that does sometimes happen. Not now in Bangkok where I live currently, but like in some places, you know, that is a thing that happens, but it's not in this, it's not in this showy like way of like, oh, look at me, I'm running around naked. It's not in this unhealthy, unhealed energy. It's actually in this, I'm so comfortable in my own skin and I love myself so much and I trust the community that I'm in so much that I actually get to be all of me. And when we see this, like this gluttonous, buying too many courses, buying too many books, eating too much chocolate, like all of these things that we identify as pleasure, that's not pleasure, that's dopamine hits. When I talk about pleasure, I'm talking about oxytocin vibrating through your body. I'm talking about love hormones, attachment hormones, like these beautiful chemicals. Dopamine is a motivational neurotransmitter. It is designed to get you to get quick hits over and over and over again, right? We're, you know, go achieve the next thing, go climb the next mountain, go kill the next tiger. This is what we have dopamine for. That is the hit that you're getting when you're eating the entire chocolate cake or the entire pizza, or you're buying the 15th book that you think is going to save your life, all of that is coming from a deep-seated unworthiness. 
and unfeeling of whole. That's why we're chasing all of those things is because we don't genuinely feel worthy and whole until we have that purse, until we have that emotional eating, until we have that course, until we're the best coach, until we make make a million dollars, until we have the dream partner, whatever it is, all of that is not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about pleasure. That is escapism and dopamine addiction. And this is the, the important thing that we have to realize is like, that's not what pleasure is. And all of the things that we fear that leaning into our pleasure is going to create are the things that are already in our reality. Because if we're honest, we kind of hate ourselves a little bit, at least some parts of ourselves. And accessing the pleasure is what gets you beyond that so that you're not just buying a bajillion courses or running away to the Bora Bora so that you can like drink your sorrows away on a beach and feel good about yourself for five days and then hate yourself when you get home again. This is about true embodiment of your your wholeness, your soul in a way that just radiates out in a very healthy and very authentic and very magnetic way. Like nobody's going to turn into a sexual siren unless that's what they were already supposed to be when they came here. You're just going to become more yourself and learn to love yourself on a level that we are just not taught in society right now. Yeah. And I want to name that I think there's a lot of very human things that come up when we see somebody that's so that looks beautiful, that activates our own sexual energy because they're in their sexual energy. I think that for me, when I see somebody that is embodying sexual energy the way that I might want to, I have to be honest that there might be feelings of envy or jealousy or like fear that comes up like, ooh, what if my partner is seeing that sexual energy and I'm not plugged into that? So I think that that's something that we should all look at when we see sexual energy And then also just noticing that there could be some deep sorrow inside that I don't have a connection to that. And so whenever something is tender, there's this tendency to judge it, to resist it, to other it. So Mm -hmm. as we embark on this exploration, I think really doing some self-observation and just noticing what is it about sexual energy that makes me uncomfortable that that's where we get to start an exploration. And as you said, there's so much fear around porn addiction, around sex addiction, around infidelity, around basically people being taken over by sexual instinctual energy and not being in choice. But when we're present, when we have three center integration of head, heart, body, we are fully in choice. We are fully in our power and we can have the most sacred monogamous connection with an individual and be the highest expression of our sexual self. So like you said, even though many of these communities provide a context where the judgment goes away, so people can actually step into it and be like, does this feel like it's authentically me or no, is that not for me? I think it's beautiful that these containers exist where people can at least explore and start discovering that for themselves. Yeah. And I mean, it's so important because that's really what this is. Again, it's not going to turn you into a sex addict or a porn addict. In fact, sex addiction and porn addiction are some of the problems that people come to me for. And we use these modalities that I teach in the Sexual Empowerment Academy to heal that. Because again, the reason those things exist is because we're in dopamine addiction because we're in unworthiness. That's the unhealthy expression of this energy 
the way you heal that is not, in my opinion, having gone through a bachelor's of psychology and having dealt with many, many um, individuals that are in this realm, talk therapy does not fix that. The way you fix that is by embodying your sexual energy and reframing and, and coming into that positive relationship with it. And that is super, super important for people to understand that like, you're not going to become this like ravenous beast that then goes and cheats on their husband or whatever. The vast majority of the people that I work with are moms in monogamous relationships, in regular corporate jobs that just want to come back into their body. And they're, they're numbed out from the trauma of childbirth. They're numbed out from, uh, you know, a sexless relationship for so long. They're numbed out, numbed out from stress. They have no libido. And, you know, they've been told their whole life that no, no libido is normal for women. It's not. It's common. It is not normal. And that is an important distinction. So this isn't work that is like, okay, if you want to completely like change your life and like jump off the deep end and like live in Bora Bora like me, I don't even live in Bora Bora. I'm not sure why that mind that's there for me. But anyways, uh, for somebody, obviously somebody that's listening to this desires to live in Bora Bora. So whoever that is, this is coming through for you. But it, it can be that if that's your authentic expression, like it was for me, if your authentic expression is you want to be a better mom and a better partner, that's how it's going to show up for you. You know, it's not, it's not going to turn you into something that you're not. It's not going to turn you into this evil demon. It is again, bringing you back to who you are at your core and making you more of that, whatever that is. And just for my friends who are listening that are part of the resonant healing community, because that's a large part of my audience as well. And I also teach resonant healing. We work with that in that domain with what Stephanie was talking about with dopamine, that's what we reference as the seeking circuit. So Mm -hmm. dopamine activates the seeking circuit. We need a seeking circuit. If we didn't have one, we'd never eat. We'd never go to work. We'd never, you know, try to date. Like the seeking circuit is important and it activates us. But if we have a hyperactive seeking circuit, then we start seeking dopamine hits as opposed to being more integrated and more fully balanced and experiencing that higher level of contentment that you were describing. I also mm-hmm. want to name that in resonant healing, we talk about the sexuality circuit also as the emergence circuit. So there's mm-hmm. a reason that sexuality comes online in puberty, because this mm-hmm. is the normal developmental time when we are supposed to de-identify from our family of origin. So it's the sexuality circuit that actually gets us to leave our tribe. And this is why most uh, communities have taboos against incest, because that's not how the sexuality circuit is supposed to work. It's supposed to get you out of your tribe. It's supposed to have you mix DNA, create new things. So similarly, the sexuality circuit is what took me out of academic medicine and corporate medicine and combining with people like you to provide new ways of healing. So this is the sexual instinctual energy and what it's supposed to be doing. And so if we have a healthy relationship with it, you don't have to be a point three who waits until her 40s to become her authentic self. You are emerging in a way that isn't being repressed, isn't being shamed, isn't being told that That's not what society wants to see, so you'd better not do it. And we can really just touch into that. And all along the way, I just have this beautiful vision of children being raised in a world where their sexuality is celebrated 
so that the emergence of their individuality is also celebrated because then we're going to have all these beautiful, whole, unwounded people operating in their zone of genius. And the only outcome I see related to that is world peace. And I'm kind of down with that. So Stephanie, how do we sign up for and what can we expect in the Sexual Empowerment Academy? Let's end today's episode because we're at the top of the hour with just letting you have a few final words about what can somebody expect who enters this program and why should we sign up? Beautiful. So the Sexual Empowerment Academy, the link will be in the show notes. So you can go ahead and access that link in the show notes. There's a whole landing page that gives you a lot of information about it. In short, this is an eight-week transformation that is going to bring you back to yourself, back to every part of yourself. So we're going to shed the conditioning. We're going to shed the layers, much of what we've talked about in this podcast, but eight weeks of immersion into that. So getting rid of the stories, getting rid of the envy, understanding the what is jealousy, why is that there, what is envy, working with our own triggers, and providing a context where we can really start to feel safe in, like I said, starting with pleasure and just expanding our capacity for pleasure. And then for those who are ready to go into the next level of that within the container, then expanding our capacity for eroticism and just holding space for who is the version of you that you choose to be on the other side of that? And we have had, uh, this will be the third time I've run this container now. I have had people manifest $100,000 in this container. I have had people have new dream partners come in in this container. I have had people conceive their first child in this container. I've had people conceive their third child that they've been struggling with in this container. So, and, and more and more and more like finding self-love for the very first time taking on new jobs, switching careers, because they realized that they wanted these things and they became so in their own love and their own self-love that finally their dreams felt accessible to them. And that's really what the Sexual Empowerment Academy is doing, is bringing your dreams into reality and helping you realize that they're accessible to you because they're meant for you. And the only reason you don't have them is because you have this bullshit conditioning from everybody else. Mm. So that's what we'll be going through. Um, it is a digital format, so you can take it from around the world. And then we have two live calls a week, so we can go deeper. You can ask me Q&A. So it is a very uh, close-knit container. And after the third time running this now and literally teaching thousands of students, I've developed a formula that really basically guarantees really profound transformation. And I'm super excited to be launching it again. Well, thank you, Stephanie. I'm so excited that we've gotten to do this series with you. I hope that people are feeling really inspired and I wish you all the best of luck with everything that will continue to emerge for you. Thank you so much for having me. If you're enjoying these episodes, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and various Android platforms. If you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it helps a lot. If you have any questions you'd like to address in a future episode, please email me at social at I also offer a wide variety of services at my practice, including typology, Enneagram coaching, nonviolent communication training, and mindfulness trainings for working with stress, anxiety, and food cravings. Please visit my website at karenancemd.com to schedule a free 30-minute consultation if you'd like to work with me in any way. We also have the opportunity for free classes.